Good morning, Bridge Church. How's everybody doing today? Yes. So good to see you guys. Good to have you in the house today, man. We are continuing in our series called Nope, Not Today, Satan. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series? You've got something out of it? Yes, I see some of you guys with your Nope shirts on coming in and out, and thank you so much for that. Uh, Man, it has been a great series, and so today we're going to get into another weapon. Remember, we're still building the wall. Now, here's what I need you to do. Next week, you've got to bring somebody with you. Come on, somebody. you got to bring somebody with you because next week we're building the wall all the way up and we're breaking free. Come on, next Sunday's Break Free Sunday, so we're breaking the wall down next week, so you got to come out and be a part of that. Before we get into the Word today, I want to just make a couple quick announcements to you. Uh, daily devotionals, these are free of charge, doesn't cost you anything. Your tithe money already has paid for these, and so we have these out in our foyer. Uh, Swing by, grab one. They start up in March. So this is March, April, and May. Again, they're free. Grab one if you'd like out in the foyer. Uh, pick one up. And if you can't find them, just get one of our, um, one of our ushers out there, uh, VIP. Somebody say, hey, I need one of them books, and we'll get one into your hand. Also, if you have been kind of visiting with us for a little while, <clears throat> excuse me, or if today is your first time here, we have something today right after service called Guest Gathering. And it's right out here in the foyer. We're going to let the crowd die down a little bit. But you have an opportunity to meet our staff here. You have an opportunity to meet the leadership team here. I'd love to meet you, get to know you a little bit, find out about you. And, uh, you know, what we do is we go to this really, really good place in Smithfield called Bernie's. Come on, anybody know about Bernie's in the house? And so we stop by Bernie's and we've got some nice, fresh croissants for you. They're ready. They're waiting. Now, don't let all the regular folks know about it because they'll eat your stuff. Amen? So, but, but if you're visiting today, right after service, guest service gathering, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk to you. So please remember that. Uh, also, man, be in prayer. We've got about 30 people right now, teenagers. Man, I am all wrapped up in cords and everything up here. Forgive me, guys. But we've got about 30 kids, teenagers, and uh, a couple of adults that are in Tennessee right now. They've actually been in a youth conference. And so they're actually going to be coming back in just a little while. So it's about a six or seven hour drive. So do me a favor and pray for those guys. Pray that God will bring them home safely. And uh, all of the parents said amen to that. And so they'll be back later tonight, later this evening sometime. And uh, we look forward to hearing some testimonies from them about what God has done in their hearts and in their lives. So please keep them in your prayers as they're traveling back today. All right, let's get into the word. Are you ready for it? Three of you. Okay, are you ready for it? Yes, let's get into the word today. Again, we've been in this series called Nope, Not Today, Satan. And really the whole premise of this series is to let you know that there is an enemy of your soul. Uh, called the devil or Satan, and he hates you. And he wants to try to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's his primary goal, is to kill, steal, and destroy the lives of people. People meaning you and I, Christians, those who accept Christ as their Savior. He's trying to get you to come out of life defeated instead of victorious. And so he has weapons. The good news about all of this is he only has three weapons that he uses. And they are, on your screen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Or also you can say pleasure, possessions, and position. Pleasure, possessions, and position. And so we've been walking through each one of these weapons that he uses. These are traps. These are snares to try to trip us up, to try to make us fall short of what God has called us to do. And so the Bible says that we're not to get entangled in them, but we're to expose them, Ephesians says. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been exposing these weapons. And so we've already talked about pleasure. We've talked about possessions. Today, I want to talk about the last one, which is the pride of life, and that is position. Uh, You could also say it like this, self-centeredness or lovers of self. Self-centeredness or lovers of self. How many of you agree that is a major issue in the culture we live in today? Come on, do you know anybody like that? Don't point at them, just kind of look sideways. That's a major issue, but, but why should we be surprised at that? The Apostle Paul warned us that this was going to happen 2,000 years ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. In the last days, there are going to be times where people are going to fall for pleasure. People are going to fall for possessions. People are going to fall for position. In the last days, it's going to be tough. And then he gives 19 different characteristics as to things that are going to happen. He says people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, come on, can't satisfy them for nothing, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but what? Denying its power. 19 different characteristics that Paul says, hey, these are some of the things that's going to happen. These are some of the things you got to watch out for. But I think the key to understanding all 19 of these things is understanding the first one. He says, people will be lovers of self. You got to understand that first one. In the last days, it's going to be hard to live out your faith. People are going to be building walls. They're going to be falling for the traps, falling for the schemes. It's going to be hard. People are going to love themselves, not love God. And so all of that's happening there. And I love what one commentator said about this particular passage of scripture. He said, lovers of self is the sewer pipe out of which all the other garbage flows. Think about that. Lovers of self is the sewer pipe out of which all the other garbage flows. In other words, if you love yourself, of course you're going to love money. And you're going to want to indulge yourself. And you're going to want to treat yourself good because you love yourself. And you don't want to have to do without anything for yourself. Why are people proud? Because they love themselves. They think they're lovable. Why are they arrogant? Why are they abusive? I mean, think about this. When you make an abusive statement against someone... At that moment, you're not thinking about the person, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about defending yourself. You're thinking about making yourself feel good. Why? Because it's all about you. So lovers of self, they're going to be disobedient to parents, abusive, ungrateful, can't satisfy them. He says all of this comes out of the sewer pipe called loving yourself. How many of you know people that really love themselves? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, but you're not like that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're not like that, but your neighbor is. You're not like that. 
I mean, think about this. Did you even know that lovers of self was a sin? I mean, did you know that? Because you don't really hear that spoken of often. You know, I think I'm loving myself too much. You know, you don't hear people saying that. But as a matter of fact, it's something that's very common. It's very popular. It's, it's, it's even encouraged, and there's a problem with you if you don't love yourself enough. You know, I was thinking of a song just the other day. It was a song by Whitney Houston. Come on, anybody remember Whitney Houston? Any Whitney Houston fans in the house? I thought about this song that she sung, and I was listening to it, and I was like, well, well, that's what it says. It's a song called The Greatest Love of All. And I remember that song, and it it says, The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Come on, how many of you knew that song actually said that? And, and, And it's amazing because that song says, hey, this is the greatest love of all, and it's easy to achieve. You got that right. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And yet Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So when you think about loving yourself, it's actually the opposite of what God says love really is. Because God says that we are to love him the most. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 and 5 says, Love the Lord your God as one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. Every single thing about you and I should have this burning desire for God, not ourselves. And so I want us to really evaluate this. I want you to ask yourself a question with where you are in your life right now. What's going on in your world? Ask yourself this question. Am I a lover of God or am I a lover of myself? Which one is it? Because I've heard people say this. Well, I know the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself, but I don't really love myself a whole lot right now, so I need to work on me, and then I can work on loving my neighbor. I've had people say to me, I must not really love myself enough because I'm feeling depressed right now. I don't feel good about myself now. When the truth of the matter is, the people that talk about loving themselves more and more and more are the people who are infatuated with themselves and they can't talk about anyone else but themselves. And so it's like they get around you and it's like me, me, me. It's all about me. Let's talk about me. And when they get tired of talking about me, then I need you to talk about me because it's all about me. And so they call you on the phone and say, hey, we need to get together and you need to talk about me. Why? Because they love themselves. But do you understand the most depressed people on the planet are the most self-centered people? People that love themselves. They can't get their mind off their problems, their issues, their world. And and understand this self-centeredness, this lover of self falling into this trap, it leads to loneliness, it leads to helplessness, and it leads to hopelessness. And it leads to you building this wall to separate you and God, to separate you and people, you and friends, you and family. You're building a wall that will isolate you to where there is this loneliness, there's this helplessness, and there's this hopelessness. And how many of you know that the people that really love themselves can't really be truly fulfilled? And if you're not careful, you will love yourself so much, you'll love yourself actually into a depression. Because all you're doing is thinking about you. And yet Jesus comes in and Jesus says, hey, this road to loving yourself is not the greatest love of all. That road will lead you to misery and loneliness and helplessness and hopelessness. I love what one commentator said. He put it this way. He says, in this universe, there's God, there's people, and there's things. We should worship God, love people, and use things. 
But if we start loving ourselves, if we start worshiping ourselves, if we fall into this trap, this scheme, if we fall prey to this weapon, we will ignore God, love things, and use people. You understand that's the formula for a miserable life, right? Yet it characterized so many people where they are in their lives right now. So many people today have fallen for this trap. They're falling in and there's all about this position in life. So what's the formula? How do, how do we break free from that? How do we get out of that? What is the solution to loving yourself? Let me give you three things today. Number one, build strong relationships. Build strong relationships. That is the beginning. Come on, look at somebody and say, I need you, boo. I need you. We need each other. We need support in difficult times. We need encouragement to be able to grow in our faith. We need other members in the body of Christ to come along every once in a while and pull us out of a pit we've dug ourselves in. You need the conflicts that are even associated with relationships. You need that because most of the time the conflict in a relationship is dealing with our own selfishness. And we need all that. So when I say we need strong relationships, I'm referring to the kind of people that can come along beside of you and help you to be a better person. Help you to grow. Help you to want to do more for the cause of Christ. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So you need one another. You need people to come into your life that's going to sit there and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You need those people in your lives. We need each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 says, Women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. He's saying relationships, that's really the center of our lives. Life comes from each other. That's the beginning. Healthy lives continue when we connect with one another. And we know this, right? We, we, we get this. You, you understand what happens when you get a group of people together and they have conversation with one another. There's, there's something that takes place. There's, there's an energy inside of you. There's something that says, yes, I feel alive right now. It's amazing because there was a pastor in London that actually wrote an article on this and he described what he saw coming into his church. He said the people that come into his church by themselves, he said they look miserable they look defeated. They look beat up. They look like life has just, just sucked everything out of them. But the people that come in in pairs, the people that are hanging out with groups, they're the people that feel alive. They're energetic. They feel like they can take on the world. Why? Because we need each other. It's important. You let, you let something happen and, 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 and a disaster takes place. Somebody's house gets destroyed and you let the reporter come on the scene. Listen, those people, that family, they're not sitting there saying, dude, I'm so I'm heartbroken. I lost my couch. I'm heartbroken. My TV's gone. No, what are they saying? Man, thank God my family's good. Thank God for the people that come around us and helped us and supported us. Why? Because we need each other. But go back to the passage because Paul doesn't just say, that, hey, you need each other and that's where it ends. No, he says, everything comes from God. So you understand that healthy relationships, if you're going to have a healthy relationship with someone, you've got to have a relationship with God. So in other words, there's two relationships you're going to have in your life. There's a vertical relationship with God. There's a horizontal relationship with people. If you're not willing to get this relationship right then this relationship will never work. 
Because in order for you to really understand what love is and how to treat people, how to support people, you've got to have the vertical relationship with God first, then the relationship with people always works out. Are you getting this? So many people today are using that word love all the time. You ever notice that? Well, I love you. Oh, I love it. Love you. you. You see that all the time, people using that word. But do you really understand what real love is? Let me give you something that's not in your notes today. Write this down. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. God gives us a picture of what real love is. So if he has to distinguish what real love is, that means there's some fake love out there. There's some imitation love. There's some, there's some things floating around that says it's love, but it's not really love. 1 John 4.10, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's what real love is. And when you talk about love, the Bible in the Greek gives us three words dealing with love. Three words. Number one is the word phileo. Phileo, that's brotherly love. That's a love between friends. That's affection, camaraderie, friendship. Come on, how many of you are thankful for some solid friends in your life? That's what that is. So there's a kind of love that is expressed brother to brother, sister to sister, spiritual family. That's phileo love. But then there's a second kind of love in the Greek the Bible talks about is euros love. Euros love, that's romantic love, physical love, puppy love. Come on, that's tingle love. Come on, anybody know about some tingle love? Come on, lean over to your spouse right now and say, hey. Come on, that's tingle love. You get them tingles. Come on, that's Euros love. So there's a friendship kind of love. There's a romantic kind of love. But then God said there's a real love. There's a love that is above all the other loves, and that is agape love. That's the God kind of love, the unconditional love, a love that's supernatural, a love that is divine, a love that only comes from God himself. And it is only when you learn the agape love, it's only when you receive the agape love that you can finally love in a friendship way and love in a romantic way. But until you get this love right, this love will never work. It'll never work. You've got to get it right. You know, statistics say that people fall in and out of love 10 times before they get married. I mean, think about that statement. I, I fell in love. It's almost like you just tripped. You know, I just fell in love. But do you understand that's not even in the Bible? Love is not accidental. Love is purposeful. And people get messed up when they don't understand how to utilize love in the right way. You know, Samantha's my 18-year-old, and um, she actually sings on the worship team, and she's a beautiful young lady. And so here's what I oftentimes tell her. I say, baby, I want you to hide your heart so deep in God that if a man's going to find you, he's got to seek God first. Come on, that's real love. That's real love. You've got to hide your heart so deep in God that if a man's going to find you, he's going to have to seek God first. If not, he's never going to find you. And, and, and listen, it's got to be more than just he looks good and he's got good hair and he's got some skinny jeans. It's got to be more than that. 
Because you give my brother a few years, that hair's going to be gone, and them skinny jeans going to turn into husky jeans. Come on, loose fit jeans. Come on, are you with me? It's got to be more than just them looks, honey, because them looks going to leave you. Amen? So you've got to hide your heart so deep in God that he's got to be seeking God in order to find you. And that's what you got. And, and let me just say this to the singles in the house. Because I know that if you're single, the cultural norm says you're incomplete if you're single. It's almost like you're half a person. But you understand that could be further from the truth. Because if Christ is all you have, then Christ is all you need. If you can't be just one, then we don't need to go with you being plus one. Jesus says, let's get connected with me and then we worry about the we. Man, it took me like 30 minutes to come up with that. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's all good. It's all good, though. It's all good. (laughs) You got to get the relationship right. And you understand why God did this, right? You understand? Because he knew the tricks of the enemy. He knew the tricks of the enemy would cause you to build that wall and be all about yourself. and, and, And as a result, loneliness, helplessness, and hopelessness would be all you get. The antidote to all of this is that you care for someone else other than yourself. And that's what love does. Love takes you from a self-centered, loving yourself approach to an other-centered approach. But how many of you know that doesn't come natural? That's a hard thing to do. That's why you got to get this relationship with God straight first. Come on. How many of you know there's some people that are hard to love? You got anybody in your life hard to love right now? Come on, you got any EGR folks in your life? Come on, you need to write this one down. Some EGR, some extra grace required folks. You got any of them people in your life right now? It's hard for you to give grace when you haven't received grace. So you got to get the relationship with God right first. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Jesus is the role model of unselfishness. He is the source and the power for us to be unselfish too. But you got to establish the relationship with God first. Then you can establish the relationship with people second. And we need levels of relationships. Everybody has levels of relationships, whether you know it or not. You need three things. You need acquaintances, you need companions, and you need friends. Acquaintances, man, you like have hundreds, maybe even thousands of those. Companions, you might have 80 to 90. Friends, you're lucky to have five or six. But you need those levels of relationship. And the reason why you need those levels is because that's the alternative to loneliness, helplessness, and hopelessness. So where do you find these relationships? Well, if you've accepted Christ into your heart, the Bible is very clear in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. You are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with Eve, every other Christian. So the first step of you breaking free from that trap, that snare, breaking free from that wall that holds you back is you've got to establish and build healthy relationships. Here's number two. I've got to hurry. The second step is you've got to be willing to give yourself away. Give yourself away. You know, last week, some of you probably thought I was crazy when I asked the question and I said, hey, all of the stuff you've got right now, all of your stuff, houses, bank account, cars, four-wheelers, boats, all this stuff that you have in your life, 
If God was to tell you to give it all away and you couldn't or wouldn't, then who owns the stuff? Do you own the stuff or does the stuff own you? Which one? I'm going a little further with that today and I'm asking you a deeper question. How willing are you, will, how willing are you to give you away? Not your stuff, you. God has anointed you. He's equipped you. He's blessed you. There's some things that you're good at that someone else may not be good at. And you know that. So do you go before God and say, God, you've given me all of this, all of the talent, all of the ability. How do you want me to give it away? Do you do that? Every one of us needs a regular service of giving ourselves away every single week. Every single day, really. You know, in, in the Bible, in Jerusalem, the Bible talks about there's this place called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is this really, really big body of water that there's no life there. there there's nothing grows, nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And the reason for that is because the Dead Sea is a place where there's all this water coming into it, but it never goes out of it. And so you've got this stagnant water with no life, no nothing happening. The only way a body of water can flourish, the only way you and I can flourish, is to not only have stuff coming in you, but to have stuff going out of you. Why do you think riverbanks are so green on the side? Why do you think there's trees there and there's fruit trees and all of that? Why? Because there's something flowing into them, but there's something flowing out of them. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be the Dead Sea. Amen. You got to live. You've got to be willing to give yourself away. You've got to do that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, God has given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. It's an other-centered approach. I'm thought about General William Booth. He was a Methodist preacher. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. And... He was in a conference one time and it was said that he was asked the question. Somebody asked him the question and said, if there's one word that can describe your life, what would that be? I mean, it, it, money, health, success, could be loneliness, could be failure. What is one word that would describe your life? And General Booth thought to himself, he said, really, there's only one word that can bring life. And that is the word others. Others. Here's how Jesus put it in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Isn't it interesting how we live in a culture that says, get all you can and you'll be happy? And I mean, you know, all of us can relate that that could be farthest from the truth. We know that's not right. And so Jesus comes in and Jesus says, hey, it's not get all you can and you'll be happy. It's give all you can and you'll live. It's an other's approach. Let me challenge you with this. Every single one of us, we all have been given 168 hours a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We've all been given 168 hours a week to work with. My challenge to you is to ask yourself, what percentage of that time can I give to others? What percentage of that time can I give to others? If you want to avoid the trap, the snare, the weapon the enemy uses against us of self-centeredness and loving yourself, then you've got to build strong relationships. You've got to give yourself away. But the key to doing both of these is going to be number three. Are you ready? Practice self-denial. 
Practice self-denial. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Each of you should what? What is that word? Look. Each of you should look. I love that word. Look, not only to your own interests, but also the interests of other. The word look there means to focus on something away from you. He's talking about being aware, being sensitive to the needs of people around you. Whether it's your husband, your wife, your co-worker, your friend, family member. You're looking beyond yourself. And, and guys, listen, I know for all the men in the house, you come home and you're tired. You're burnt out. You're wore out. And so what's the first thing, men, we like to do when we come home? Kick the shoes off. Get in the recliner. Flip the flipper. Watch TV. Veg out. Can I challenge you men folk in the house with something today? Instead of just coming home and vegging out, how about going in and washing some dishes? All the women in the house really need to be saying amen right there. I had a guy one time ask me, he said, well, pastor, I tell you what, man, if you can find it in the Bible, I'll do it. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for some scripture? You wanted a word today? I'm going to give you a word. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 13. I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wiping for dish in Jesus' name. There's your word. There's your word, man. Come back next week. I'll have a word for the ladies. I got to close with this. <laughs> People are all the time saying, live for yourself. Love yourself. Get all you can. Can I ask you something? Where has that gotten us? Where has it gotten us? Nowhere. Jesus said it like this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If you would come after me, you got to be willing to deny yourself, take up the cross. Notice the word cross. Take up the cross and follow me. We live in a culture that says indulge yourself, promote yourself, love yourself, live for yourself. Jesus says, I need you to take up your cross. Do you realize that the cross was a means of execution? He said, you need to deny yourself and you need to die to yourself. The road to abundant life. The road to to breaking free from all of these. The position, the possessions, and the pleasure. And next week we're building it all the way up. But, But the road to breaking out of all of this is you understanding that you got to deny yourself. You got to pick up your cross. You got to go after Him. The only way you're going to break free is to live for Him. Do you understand that right now you have got one of the greatest gifts that God could ever receive? And some of you are like, Pastor Weeds, man, I don't have nothing to give to God. Listen, the greatest gift you can ever give to God is you. It's yourself. It's right there where you are. But you got to battle this trap. You know, I told you at the beginning that the good news about all this is Satan only has three weapons. There's three things that he entraps you with and he gets you to fall short. But the bad news is that's all he needs. Because every day we're constantly falling for pleasure, possession, and my letter fell off, position. (laughs) A lot of devils in the house. Y'all trying to take my letters off. 
But we're, we're constantly falling for these three. Constantly falling for them. So how do we break free? You give God yourself. You build healthy relationships. You give yourself away. And every day you practice self-denial. Every day. And ladies, if you really want that scripture, if you'll email me, I will get it to you. I promise you. You can go on the Bridge app, and that scripture is on the app just for you. So use that for your man. Amen. Stand with me all over the house. Father, we love you.